Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get in to Washington's Week 11 win over the Houston Texans, a 23-10 win in Houston, Washington's second straight road win after taking down the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football in Week 10, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs with live to market odds and lines. Whether you want to bet on the NHL, NBA, the World Cup began yesterday. Upcoming seasons down the line, future bets, Major League Baseball, and of course, all your betting needs for the NFL and college football season, golf, esports, anything under the sun, you can bet at Bet Online. So head on over to the website today and use your mobile device for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50. Again, B L E A V 50 for 50% off your first welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. So let's get in to Washington's 23 10 win. A game that really, from a game theory perspective and just the optics and logistics of this football game, something that we just haven't been able to experience in a long time because this game was out of hand as we crept into halftime. 20 to nothing. Washington was up at half. That's not the usual proceedings for the Washington Commanders, the Burgundy and Gold, over the last two decades. It's usually every win has to be within the last four or five minutes of the ball game, nail biters, sitting on the edge of your seat. That's what it's been the whole season this year. And that's what we expected again this week, no matter who the opponent was. Obviously, Washington went down yesterday into Houston, one seven and one team at the time. Now, one eight and one Houston Texans team with the number one overall pick, as we sit here approaching Week Eleven. But a team that showed some pop during the early portions of this season. weren't getting blown out by teams. They're playing decently well at home, riding the coattails of rookie running back Damian Pierce, who Washington held to eight yards total on ten carries yesterday. Eight yards on 10 carries. And I'm not a math genius. I'm not a math wizard. That's less than a yard a carry. 0.8 exactly per average carry for Damian Pierce yesterday. We'll get into the defense. Let's play its complete backside off again yesterday. Want to talk about the offense? But this is a positive step forward for this unit to where they now find themselves at 6-5 and five with a massive matchup coming next week against the Atlanta Falcons, who also won this past weekend, squeaking out one against the Chicago Bears. This was huge for Washington in a game that other opponents, whether you want to say that the Eagles looked over to the Commanders, that's why they lost, or they just flat out got beat, which is in my opinion is what they did. The Eagles got flat out beat on Monday Night Football. And they almost got beat yesterday again by the Colts, and they should have lost to the Colts. 
had Indianapolis executed in that second half, but they didn't. But that's for another day. But for Washington's perspective, you've put yourself in a position now to compete as you move forward and closer to the wild card playoffs. A wild card spot. That that six, that seven speed, that six to seven seed in the NFC. It's a tight race. There's a bunch of teams fighting for spots. 49ers play tonight against the Arizona Cardinals. Saw the Giants lose yesterday. Dallas beat Minnesota, so they're going to continue to win. They're going to probably be in line for that 5-6 spot in the NFC if they they don't trump Philadelphia. So Washington's put themselves in a spot, a really good spot right now to challenge for a wildcard position as we head closer to Christmas time. We got Thanksgiving coming up this week. A lot of big games. Giants and Dallas play on Thanksgiving. They got the 430 game this week. That's a huge game from a divisional perspective. Giants are seven and three. Cowboys are seven and three. Huge game because one of those teams, regardless of a tie, I'm not thinking about ties. They have no place belonging in the NFL. I hate everyone hates a tie. But seven and three, one of those teams is gonna go to seven and four. And if Washington squeaks out a win against the Falcons, or just say they dominate them at home. Very well could happen. Washington is half a game separate from from Dallas or New York at seven and five. One of those teams is going to go to seven and four. So quickly, Washington just a month ago was sitting there at one and four. Now you're at six and five, and you're winning football games. And how many years over the years have we had to sit there and say? Ah, Washington didn't win. What other teams lost? But when you take care of your own business and you win your own games, you don't have to worry about who else is losing because you're controlling your own destiny. And Washington right now, again, has put themselves in a great spot as we head towards the back end of the season. Washington still has two games left until they have their bye week. A majority of the league has already had their bye. They've rested up. They've taken their trip to the Bahamas already. Washington hasn't had that. We understand the adversity that this team has gone through, not just on the field, but off the field every single week. And yesterday, one of the big questions heading out of that game as you move back into the fourth quarter was leaving that game healthy. You saw Taylor Heineke get nicked up with his ankle, with his neck. You saw Benjamin St. Juice getting his ankle wrapped on the sideline. You saw James Smith-Williams go down in the fourth quarter. Those are the types of games where you don't want fluke crap to happen to your guys on either side of the ball. And you want to get out of that game healthy because really it wasn't close. And I'm not worried about that fourth quarter when Texans drove down the field and scored on that Davis Mills four-yard rushing touchdown. That doesn't make any... It's no difference to me. Now, would you like to pitch a shutout? Yeah, sure. Looks good in the box score. But Washington's defense is where we'll start today. A unit led by John Allen again, who was absolutely dominant once again, and he's playing like an all-pro. And if you haven't checked it out already, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler, put out a video during yesterday's game of John Allen walking poor number 59, Kenyon Green, rookie out of Texas A&M that they took in the first round this year. Just there's, there's no, There was no chance for Kenyon Green yesterday at left guard working against John Allen. Just no shot. And it really shows you how teams expect these guys to come out of college. Now, Kenyon Green, 
big, physical, athletic kid, paid, played in the SEC for a multitude of years, comes in and has had a lot of snaps along that front five for a bad overall Texans team and an offense that really just can't help itself right now. Run game's been decent this year. They've, they've rushed pretty... Damian Pierce rushed for a good amount of yards this last month against teams. A couple times went over 100 yards. The only time he did was against the Raiders in this last month of the season. Really, really good. And Kenyon Green, we talked about in the preview. All, all the potential in the world to be a really good player down the road, but John Allen absolutely whooped his, you know what, all game long. 60 minutes of just getting your backside beat behind the barn. John Allen was absolutely dominant. Montez Sweat, two and a half sacks. I know it's credited for him having two sacks. I'm going to give him two and a half because that last sack that I believe Allen was or was Payne in that second half, Montez Sweat tripped up Davis Mills and then Allen Payne finished it out. It's just everybody is playing with their hair on fire. And this is what we've talked about for so long to get this front four playing at the potential of this group. Since John Allen was taken in 2017, since Deron Payne was taken in 2018, since Montez Sweat was taken in 2019, and since Chase Young was taken in 2020, who Washington most likely, and from what I've heard as well, and other outside reports I'm sure you guys have heard too on social media, that he will be back against Atlanta in front of the home fans in a huge game from a wildcard perspective that we talked about. This front three and front four, with Chase Young included, and rotationally with Casey Tuhill, and John Ridgway is getting good snaps, and F.A. Obata looked good against yesterday. James Smith-Williams is playing decently well. This is an, a, a rotation of six, seven guys that can come in at any time. Oh, and then you got a former number two overall pick coming in that's been juiced up all year long. It's been an absolute leader on the sideline that you see every game. Once when cameraman turns to the pans of the sideline, it's Chase Young around everybody. That's the stuff you like to see, and it's a juice with this team right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball because offensively they got to finish off drives. We will get to that in a minute, but defensively they're playing their tails off. And it starts with the front four and a unit that was expected to be a top three unit for a long time when all these picks have come in. And now it's all coming to fruition. Montez Sweat is tops in the league, top five in pressures, top 10 in sacks. John Allen, among interior defensive linemen, top five in pressures, top 10 in sacks. These guys are just playing absolutely, just playing good football. And I also want to talk about the presence of Ryan Kerrigan because we saw the team fire Sam Mills before the season started. And Ryan Kerrigan's wisdom and knowledge that he's been able to share along that front four through practice, in the meeting rooms, the voice that he's provided. Obviously, he had a ton of success at the NFL level and one is one of the faces of the franchise since the turn of the century for Washington. Just someone that's been abs- was dominant in his time in the Burgundy and Gold. That wisdom that he's been able to share with Allen, with Payne, with Chase Young, with Montez Sweat, with the guys rotationally. You look at the young guys like Shaka Tony and William Bradley King. Now, William Bradley King hasn't played a ton, Shaka Tony either, but they're all practicing together. And that wisdom, when these guys are able to, co- able to come in, because we know injuries are inevitable, and, and Washington has had to throw some rotational guys in there in spots that they really didn't want to, but they look ready to play. And following the first three weeks of the season, you look back to the Philadelphia game in week three. Since then, Washington's defense has been damn good. 
First pass of the game yesterday, Davis Mills. Kendall Fuller takes back a, an outside dig route that uh, Davis Mills left at the inside of the football field. Took it back for six. His first career pick six. He looked good yesterday. Now, now I will say, Houston picked on Kendall Fuller a little bit, and obviously so. I mean, you, you look on tape and you watch Kendall Fuller. He's not the most dominant guy, especially in man coverage in the world. Is he able to click downhill and make plays in the football? Yeah, we saw that yesterday. And we saw it last week against Philadelphia, making plays through the hands of receivers. But they still targeted him a bunch. Yesterday, they targeted him eight times. That was most out of any Washington defender. Five catches for eight targets, 62.5% receiving percentage, 53 yards, 10.6 yards per catch. No touchdowns and had the pick. That's an okay day, but he was picked on a little bit. Bobby McCain was the second targetist, most targeted um, defender in Washington's secondary. Benjamin St. Just, I thought was fine. So... There's a lot of positives on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not, I don't want to talk about John Bostick working in coverage. I didn't like what I saw from him yesterday. But in the run game and working downhill, Jamin Davis, Derek Force making plays again. A unit that is playing well. The rapport, the chemistry is there. It's there. And no, the Texans aren't this crazy offensive juggernaut with Davis Mills under center. But Brandon Cooks had a decent day yesterday. Nico Collins had a decent day yesterday. Cooks had six targets, three catches, 70 yards. Nico Collins, seven targets, five catches, 48 yards. It's not terrible. I mean, they combined for eight catches. Over 100 yards. Over 110 yards. Not terrible. We saw, especially in that second half, Houston working Brandon Cooks on some more crossers across the field. That's something that I don't know why really they didn't go to earlier in the game. We know that Kendall Fuller who worked on Cooks a ton, he doesn't. he's not really able to run with these receivers at the NFL level, especially across the field like that. Those little mesh concepts that they want to run, tangling up guys at the second level over the intermediate areas of the offense. Texans did that well in the second half yesterday when Washington was just playing prevent defense and forcing everything underneath. That really didn't matter in the grand scheme of the game. But it's a win at the end of the day. 23-10. On the road, in the NFL, where it's hard to win football games. But at the tip of the cap to the entire defensive unit. The entire defensive unit played its backside off. And it's another week where we're sitting here, five out of our last six now that we've won, five and one, the last six games, everyone is playing well. And then you flip over to the offensive side of the ball. First two possessions were not good, three and outs. Taylor Heineke did not look good. That ball he threw to Terry McLaurin, his first deep shot of the game, first pass of the game, should have been picked by Jalen Petrie, a guy that we highlighted a ton on the preview show this week. Rookie out of Baylor that's had his trouble working downhill in the run game, but a a fine coverage player can make a ton of plays at the roof of the defense. That should have been a pick on Heineke's first play, first pass. Those are times and those are plays you just can't have. We saw it against Minnesota. We saw it against Philadelphia. Saw it again against Houston. Kind of the same trend. Those are things that he has to improve upon. Because that's turnover-worthy football. You can't have it. And thanks to Jalen Petrie for having mannequin hands and not able to to, to haul it in. But Washington's offense, that first two series, were not good. And then they got the run game going on that third series. Ended with that Curtis Samuel jet sweep 10-yard touchdown run to bring it to 14-0 as you, as you started that, that second quarter. 
Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, again, got going. Combined for over 30 carries again, over 110 yards for them combined. Antonio Gibson, 18 attempts, 72 yards, led the team in rushing. Brian Robinson, 15 carries, 57 yards. Neither of them got in the end zone. Antonio was also involved in the passing game, three targets, three catches, 31 yards. Brian was not targeted in the passing game. Obviously, J.D. McKissick is out for the year with that. We put him on IR before the start of this game. So that is something to monitor as far as where Washington wants to go with that RB3. Right now, it's going to be Jonathan Williams. He was someone that was activated yesterday. Didn't play any snaps, but it worked a little bit on special teams. But they ran the ball with success again yesterday. And it's a credit also to this front five. Cornelius Lucas was really good blocking his tail off in the run game. Thought Tyler Larson did a fine job at center. Thought um, Charles Leno at left tackle was okay. Thought he had some struggles in pass pro. We saw Sam Cosme come in and play really well, both in pass pro and run blocking. He's been kind of switching off with Cornelius Lucas as we move into the second half of those games. That's something we can continue to keep an eye on with him and Lucas really battling for snaps at right tackle as we move forward down the line. But Taylor Heineke, 15 for 27, 191 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Eh, eh. I mean, Taylor Heineke was was okay, but we're not asking him to be a world beater. And the biggest thing with him is you can't be the reason that Washington is losing football games. Taylor Heineke, again, is not going to be a guy you win football games because of. You're going to win games with him. Right? He can, you can win games with him. You're not going to win games because of the ability of Taylor Heineke. Something that we saw last night with the Chiefs when Patrick Mahomes drove the Chiefs down the field to beat the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. That's what I'm talking about when you're winning because of a guy. Taylor Heineke can make plays. Don't get me wrong. We've seen him do it in the past. But it's not really in leading a team through the air down the field in those clutch situations. It's mostly creating off script trying to make plays downfield. He made some nice throws yesterday, but he also missed a lot of throws that I want to see him use those mechanics more and pump throws downhill. I always talk about it. Pump throws downhill. Use your body to throw. And he leaves a lot of throws on the field. He talked about it in the post-game press conference again yesterday. He left throws on the field that could have gave them opportunities to score more points. And that's what they have to do. You work back in that second half to really put that game out of reach Joey Sly, 25-yard field goal. Joey Sly, 24-yard field goal. That, you know, that those field goals are coming within the 10. You know, you have to score in those situations when you face these better teams. Now, granted, I mean, they played really well against Minnesota as a good team. You should have won that game. And they played against Philadelphia. But they punch it in the end zone. But as you move down the line and you got the Giants coming in who are going to play good football defensively, they're a fine football team you got to be able to put the ball in the end zone and get six when you can. You have to. You cannot settle for three consistently when you're inside your own 10, especially when you get first and goal at the five. Run the ball. Sometimes Scott Turner, offensive coordinator, gets a little pass happy when they get down inside the five-yard line, wanting to spread things out, throw some unique uh, concepts at opposing defenses. Just, Just run the ball. Now, sometimes, even yesterday with Washington's defense, they knew that they wanted to run the ball with Damian Pierce. First down, Davis Mills on on the prior series throws it. Kendall Fuller picks it off. What are they going to do in their next series? 
yeah, they're going to run it on first down. What happened there? A negative play, three yards, Sean Allen, wrangling Damian Pierce in the backfield. So I understand not being predictable, and I think Scott Turner did that well, especially in the third series offensively that I mentioned. But in the red zone where things really get tight and you're you're playing within that metaphorical phone booth to where the the obviously the ceiling of the defense is shrunk, you don't really have so many options on the perimeter and you just have to get very unique in what you're doing. But I just want to see us run the ball a little bit more at the goal line. Run it on first down. Run it on second down. Heck, run it on third down. If you're at the two, you don't get in. And at this point in the game, you're you're up uh, 20 to th- you're up 20 nothing as you enter that third quarter. Go for it on fourth down. Really put the game out of reach to make it 27 nothing, not 23-0. Every point matters. Everything matters. We've seen it in the past where it comes back to bite Washington in the butt. It, it's, it just comes back to bite them at the end of games where, ah, we would have had six there. Ah, uh, we would have made that extra point there. Little things. The little things. So yeah, you can look at it from a grand scheme of things and say, oh, ooh, wow, 23-10, they were up 20 nothing. Everything must have gone right. But offensively, I want to see them pumping in the end zone more and run the ball near the goal line inside the five where you have two running backs and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson that consistently have proven to push the pile and read holes within the tackles for the last month that we've seen them on the field. Give them the ball at the goal line. Because if you did against Tennessee... You are now seven and four, not six and five. Little things that I want to see Washington continue to improve upon, even though yesterday there were so many positives in that football game. Because you did win. You won a football game. I don't care how it comes. I don't care. You win games in the NFL, you're winning games in the NFL. And when you're five and one over your last month and a half of football, and you're playing well within the meat of your season, it's the best time to play football. It's the best time to play your, your best football because they're vibing with Taylor Heineke under center. No, again, nothing is, everything's not perfect. I want to see Terry McLaurin get involved a little bit more in the offense. Four catches, 55 yards yesterday. Logan Thomas led the team. Five catches on six targets for 65 yards, his most of the season. I'm happy he got involved. He's a good target over the intermediate areas of the field. We saw Taylor Heineke pump one over his head in the red zone there that thought he could have layered a little bit better over those corners, especially how big Logan Thomas is at 6'6". He can rise over the rim, play above the rim, if you will. But I want to see Terry McLaurin get a little bit more involved in the passing game. You know, two of Washington's three leading receivers yesterday was a running back and a tight end. Then it was Terry McLaurin, you know, Terry McLaurin at number two. Cam Sims, one catch, 17 yards. Jahan Dotson wasn't involved yesterday. One catch, 13 yards. We also saw him take a reverse, which we also saw Terry McLaurin take on consecutive series. So Scott Turner threw some different looks at that young Houston defense, making them not over-pursue, which kept things neutral from an offensive perspective and ability to line up in certain concepts and personnel formations to where you're not allowing their defense to consistently shift over. We saw Christian Kirksey do a nice job for them at the linebacking position yesterday. But, you know, Jahan Dotson really just wasn't involved. Yami Brown wasn't involved. John Bates wasn't involved. We saw a little bit of Cole Turner. Um... Yeah, Logan Thomas was their leading receiver yesterday. And that's fine. I talk about Logan a ton, but 17 with Derek Stingley out yesterday, I thought he was going to have a really big game. And what I mean by big game, I mean, give me 11, 12 catches for 130, 40 yards and a touchdown or two. 
But I just don't know, moving forward, what the ceiling is for Terry McLaurin with Taylor Heineke under center. I know they both vibe. I get it. They like each other. They got a good relationship. But if it's not Terry McLaurin rising up over Stephon Gilmore against Indianapolis on a jackpot ball, having to steal it away from defenders, you know, what is the ceiling for this passing offense as well? It's limited. And which makes it hard on Scott Turner to be so unique and conceptually different to how he's getting Taylor Heineke easy looks to get him in rhythm in the early portions of ball games. Not having him have to make his first throw like we saw yesterday, a 35-yard shot play down the middle of the field. That should have been picked. There's a lot of different things that you have to work with just from a limitation standpoint with Heineke under center to where you're moving the launch point. You're moving him outside the tackles. You got to get him on the move to where, to where defenses have to prepare for his legs, to have to prepare for his arm outside the pocket. We saw the Texans run a lot of cover two yesterday. And, and really, when you see a lot of cover two, it's because you want to prepare for the passing game. They're more so just preparing for the speed of Terry McLaurin on the outside, really, than the threat of Taylor Heineke actually hitting him, just not being beat. Because we've seen that Taylor Heineke really just hasn't pumped throws and been a, a, a guy that's dissecting defenses all year long. And that's Taylor Heineke in a nutshell. But at the end of the day, we're winning football games. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. As Washington sits at 6-5, and five, winners of five of their last six, as they head in next week, home, week 12, against the Atlanta Falcons, a team that's battling in the NFC South and battling for an NFC wildcard spot, just like Washington is. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please leave a like, review, share, subscribe. Again, I'm on Twitter. If you don't follow me already, underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work, more audio content, video content is at thedraftnetwork.com. I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. Enjoy your, your start of your work week and a long Thanksgiving holiday. I hope you guys have off. Enjoy time with family. Lots of good football on Thursday. Got another good college slate on Saturday. But I will talk to you guys on Friday. I will have a preview out for you of the Atlanta Falcons, a team that Washington went down to Atlanta and beat last year. A team that is kind of similar to who they were last year. So this is this is an opportunity for Washington to get to 7-5 and five in a really good spot, I think coming in five of their last six games that they've won and two consecutive wins on the road. Now it's about getting home in front of the home fans, in front of you guys, and playing good football. And hopefully we get Chase Young back this week, which would be a great boost to a defensive line that's already playing with their hair on fire and just playing really, really good football. So as always, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Always appreciate your time. I will talk to you on Friday, full preview of the Atlanta Falcons offense, defense, a team led by Marcus Mariota. So thank you guys as always. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.